the Ain't No Fang podcast. From Arizona Sports, Ain't No Fang. The Arizona Diamondbacks are setting records. Just not the good kind. I'm Steve Zinsmeister. That's Derek Monty and Cody Fincher as well on the Ain't No Fang podcast. I feel like we should do a, uh, we should start with a last time on the Ain't No Fang podcast. Last because time. Because it's very specific to last time. Last week, we did a podcast. A really good one, by the way. I thought it was great. Wow. Don't and hurt then yourself. five minutes yourself after Derek left, <laughs> and Cody and I were still in the studio, uh, the Diamondbacks fired both hitting coaches. And That we, feels like it was not just a week ago. Yeah, it feels like a month ago now. Felt like 84 years. So I don't know if the Diamondbacks thought that that was going to be it. And that we were just going to fire the hitting coaches and all of a sudden everything would be right with the world. But uh, <laughs> I'm here to report that the Diamondbacks haven't won a game since then. And the losing streak has now reached record-setting levels. 23 road losses in a row. New major league record. A new major league record. By the way, they've also tied a franchise record with 14 straight overall consecutive losses. Which which, which, which was from, you know when? Earlier, Earlier this, this year. I know. Oh. It's great. Oh, by the way, the Dodgers are in town for three games this weekend. Yeah, so there's so a that's fun. really oh, good, good chance times. that we're going to have Trevor a Bowers pitching historic tonight. Historic. Who's the next road streak. team? Uh, oh, uh, the, like is this see. road thing? Not that it matters. The Diamondbacks are worse than every team I'll they're going to play, right? Yes, uh, they're the worst team in baseball so they, right now. They have the Dodgers over the weekend at home. They have the Brewers at home for three. And then they go on the road to the Padres for three and the Cardinals for three. Hmm. Count that as six losses. <laughs> Oh boy. Yeah, I don't know what to say. I think that there are a lot of egregious things that have happened. I think when this season was already going as badly as it was, I think that there were things that needed to stop. <laughs> you know? Right? We weren't good enough to be having TikTok dances in the <laughs> locker room no. every single game. I, okay, full disclosure, I thought that all along, and I don't remember if I voiced it or not, but I, I always thought it was bad that I was always like... Do we deserve to be doing this in the first week of the season? By the way, has anyone seen Baxter since Eduardo Escobar took his head and put it on during the TikTok dance well, after one of their wins? Let's, let's talk. Has about anyone that. seen Baxter? Is he okay? I <laughs> mean, let assuming me, he me, doesn't me, have a head, he's probably not. Is anyone not. really okay anymore? Let, let me no. talk to you. Let me talk to you for a second because first, obviously, the Diamondbacks pulled the old "Let's go to the pet store and get a replacement bobcat." <laughs> Right, because you buy we, bobcats at a pet store. We That's like something you do with a gerbil. You can't do that with a bobcat. Uh, I don't know. This you is find the exact same hamster you <laughs> accidentally kill. Exotic pet stores in the valley. I'm just saying, and you okay. can acquire a bobcat very okay, easily Tiger King. if you okay, go Tiger out King. to Camelback Mountain at the right time of day. Uh, my point <laughs> being, you know, I I haven't seen the same mannerisms out of this particular bobcat, right? I mean, you know, like when your mannerisms when your cat has very specific mannerisms, like you know it, right? Like, can we if, can we clarify? Is it mannerism or manurism? Because man, you're saying mannerism. I think it's a mannerism. Mannerism. It's not an aneurysm. It's. A I mean, I guess it could be. Yeah. Um, okay. No, we're talking about cats that like know. let you, you know, pet them. Or the ones that bite yeah, you. Yeah, the you nice know? ones right. versus the bad ones. Right. We don't yeah. we don't know if this is the same bobcat. But the most important okay. factor <laughs> there is since they decided to obviously behead their beloved mascot, who by the way ranks amongst the worst mascots, the most unliked mascots 
in all of sports, apparently. Maybe that's really? why they beheaded him. Who made that list? Uh, who made the list? What do you mean? Who created You said the ranks list? among the worst mascots. Is that your opinion, or are you saying that there was a ranking of mascots? There was, uh, there was an MLB mascot ranking, and he <laughs> yeah. ranked amongst the most obnoxious mascots in 2021. Like MLB.com? In 2021. Uh, this story is from AZ Central. Oh. But I'm not sure if they did the story. So Nick Pecoro hates Baxter. <laughs> That's what I'm hearing you say. That's really You're gonna what's going to have to ask Nick here. about okay. it next time you see All him. Right. But the but every but time the, the story. Every, every time I go to a game though, I kind of overhear when they introduce Baxter on the Jumbotron, they're like there are mascots of a Bob Bobcat? Why? Yeah, it's too Why? Long. Too many years since the place sense. was called Bob. The Bob, yeah. Has made it doesn't make sense. Uh but, you know, if you were going to behead him, then you would need need to at least Introduce a new mascot. Since they beheaded the Bobcat for their victory dance, they've gone two and twenty-seven. Steve, two and twenty-seven. But I was making the point earlier that <laughs> you can pick any number of events that have happened over the course of this season for the Diamondbacks. Pick anything. Uh, let's talk about uh, Madison Bumgarner's no hitter because since then, terrible. Any other event that has happened with the Diamondbacks this year, you could say they've been terrible that since one, that X one happened. specifically though was terrible. That one like that was some sort of supernatural sucked the life force out of the rest of the season really just did. to manifest that one game. And they're not even counting it as a no hitter. <laughs> That's the worst part. That's the they worst don't even part. count it. Wasn't it's worth a it. notable achievement. Not even worth it. Uh, I think for me though, when it comes to the victory dance and yeah. egregious <laughs> moves, the TikToks, just things that they really did that angered the baseball gods. Yeah, it's Cattell Marte changing his plate music to that particular song. I don't feel like enough uh, attention is focused on that. That one song move. is special only for wins, and well, he's okay. playing it every time. Am I not wrong? I mean, is that not a bold move? Would that not be like doing the D-back swing song by Roger Klein and the Peacemakers as your walk-up song? That seems like a bold move to make that your plate music when you specifically have been using that as a team bonding event to dance around when you guys win. I think that's like calling your shot. That's like you standing at the plate every at-bat and pointing to the bleachers. Well, we all know baseball is a very superstitious sport. Perhaps the right. most superstitious. So maybe maybe you start to hear that music in a positive connotation because it's always played after wins. And all of a sudden you start to associate that song with winning, with doing well, with success. And so you're like, well, why can't I just play it when I go to the plate? <laughs> and in your head, it's kind of a Pavlovian thing, but you're associating it with success. So you're like, I'm going to get a hit in this. It's the opposite, though. I know. That's the it's causing such bad luck. You should it's... only hear that song during a win. Right. Not every time you walk up to the it plate. It should be a reward, not a not a causation. It shouldn't be. Uh... <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I exactly. Feel you. I, feel you. I just think, honestly, like you said, baseball is such a superstitious sport. I mean, we talk about guys that don't change their socks during the season because of X reason or gross. Y reason. That's there's, so gross. there's all sorts of grossness. <laughs> Baseball players and athletes in general are pretty gross people. Just change your socks. They're just going to do whatever it takes to win. And I think that beheading the Bobcat and using the victory song, these were all bad moves. Like you said, you can trace it to any number of events, though. Yeah. This team has just been historically bad in so many ways. Uh, the These two losing streaks are absurd. When you look at it, I still think it was ridiculous to fire the hitting coach considering how well they've been doing offensively during this stretch. You can say whatever you want, but they are putting up crooked numbers on the board. These aren't a bunch of, like back in the day, Randy Johnson starts where it's 2 nothing every single you know game. These are games they're losing 7-6, to 
eight to eight to nine. Uh, you know, they're losing heartbreakers where they put up six runs in the first inning, five runs in the first during, inning. During this giant series, they lost five to two, nine to eight, thirteen to seven, and then ten to three. Yeah. They scored plenty of runs. Yeah, it's not the, it's not the run scoring nor was it before they had new hitting coaches. It was really just the sacrificial lambs, the scapegoats for the season. And that's not that's not turned anything around nor was it going to. Their pitching is a problem because they don't have Enough pitchers, period. That's really what it comes down to. They have no depth they when thought, these guys get hurt. They thought Zach Zero. Gallen was going to come in yesterday and be the grand savior of this team. I recall other writers constantly asking about his return, and it sounded like, well, God, at least when Zach Gallen comes back, the bleeding will stop. And it did not stop yesterday. Today was a terrible outing, for, or yesterday was a terrible outing for Zach. Did they rush him back? It almost feels like it. Um, it's weird that you bring him back in that series against a good team and and have him on a pitch count limit, you know, during this crazy run of, of, of losing games on the road. And when I first saw Zach Gallon's coming back, I'm like, they're really bringing him back to try to not make history tomorrow. That's really what it was. That's That's what that's, what That's what it felt like. And it might not be true, but that's just what I felt. Well, that's how I felt even like seeing their tweets about, you know, Zach Gallon's back tomorrow. Like the The savior's back. I don't remember exactly what was said, but it gave off that vibe. Right. And what I thought of first was we talked a couple weeks about when Cattell Marte came back we were all of the opinion, eh, maybe you play him at second base for a game or two to get his legs underneath him just to warm up before he takes on the challenge of center field, which, by the way, has not gone well. Um, he's hitting fine, but it's the outfield thing. And they came to the correct, I think, realization that we're not going to bring him back until he's 100% ready to handle center field. So when he came back, he was able to just play out there. Whereas with Zach Gallen, I'm like, well, why would you do the opposite? Why would you bring him out before he's ready to go six and innings? What's he, crazy he, about that, too, is like Zach Gallen has had two arm injuries this year, an elbow and a forearm fracture. Oof. It's just like it just felt rushed. And maybe it wasn't. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not, I don't talk to people there. 58 but, pitches. Yeah. He was definitely thirds, on a pitch count. Four earned runs. Um yeah, he was they, throwing really hard yesterday. He was in the upper 90s. So that was weird. Yeah, He's the, usually not in that area. 96 he yeah. was throwing. Uh, when, he touched 97 what? one time, I think. The he 96 mile out. an hour I was a home if, run. <laughs> I wonder yeah. if they were keeping tabs on that, and they noticed that too during the game and realized, okay, he's, over he's overcompensating yeah. for something. Maybe we get him out. I don't know. I don't know. That's just a guess on my part. But, yeah, I just thought it, was, it felt wrong that Zach Gallen was pitching, especially when at this point, by yesterday, we knew that this season is a lost cause, right? For the Diamondbacks, we have three teams in the division who are some of the best teams in the National League and some of the best teams in baseball. You're not catching them. You're not making the playoffs this year. This team has been pretty much garbage other than maybe a handful of players that I've been impressed by. Your organization really needs to be built around Cattell Marte and Zach Gallen. That's if you decide to keep those guys because they're the only two with significant trade value at this point. So with Gallen being one of them, why why rush him back when he's the future, if not a trade piece that you use to get the future? It didn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it's it's strange, man. It, it, just the way that they're kind of going about this year, and it's they're obviously not a good team. But what everyone says, and I know Tori Lovello's the ever optimist, and he'll never say anything bad in public about anybody, but. 
hearing Mike Hazen too talk about how they think this team can win games. I'm like, what are you? What are you watching? I mean, I know that's what yeah. you got to say. I guess you could be honest and you say, could put an amount on injuries, right. but at, at a certain point, you're a bad team, right? And I hope that they they don't use the injury excuse too much. It's definitely it's, a factor. It's a factor, huge factor. But the other factor is when those guys get hurt, you have zero depth behind them, right. to major league talent to fill in. Well, we've talked about that uh, extensively prior to this season, and I think even at one point we were pleasantly surprised with how this team was. I think we all had very limited expectations for how this season was going to go, and I think we were pretty realistic about it. I early on, this team experienced a bunch of injuries and outperformed. You know what? What you thought that they could probably do? Uh, I think that they they did tempt fate with some of these things we've talked about. I know that we joke about it and everything like that, but as much as baseball is about you know your headspace being in or your your mind being in the right headspace, it's also about uh, some of these superstitions. And sometimes you truly can um, cause waves with uh, just just the baseball gods. You know, you you just can't. But another interesting factor is that Zach Gallen in three seasons has won six games for the Arizona Diamondbacks. That's it? Six total games. Well, okay, we say three seasons. Isn't it technically two? Two and a half. Yeah. Two and a half. Two? Well, two. Really? Want. Okay. It's not you really want to think about it. This it was year. half a season when he got traded. Mm hmm. And then whatever Half you want of to this call season, last season. So that's one season. And then last season was technically a third of a season. Sure. So it's really like one and a third season. It just but feels, still, it six wins like is not a lot. Gallon has been here for a long time, considering right. he came to us on the same day as the Granky trade, and Granky feels like he's been gone forever. You right. know? Yeah, you're right. So you're right. Gallon came in that time, and in that time, he's brought six team, six wins to this team, and it's not his fault. Most of his uh, most of his outings are no decisions. The majority of them are. Uh, he's been a reliable, consistent guy, and I agree with you 100. percent It just it really sucks that you know his his win loss. It reflects that it doesn't reflect how good he really is. Yeah. It just usually never does with a pitcher on a bad team like this, like Jacob Degrom. I'm not saying they're the same guy, but it's right. the if same look, type of thing. If you look at his historical win loss record, well, he never yeah, gets any run support. Yeah, it's his, never, his losses are all two nothing, one nothing. Yeah. Remember when Felix Hernandez won that Cy Young with 12 wins? Right. Yeah. Because you know, for right. a while, the Cy Young Award went to whoever had the most wins. Right. Cliff Easily. Lee had like whoever, 22 20, wins in his Rick, season. Yeah. Rick Porcello won the Cy Young Award because right. he won 20 games. 20 yeah. Games. And then Felix Hernandez, everyone started to think differently. They're like, oh, well, wait, we should give it to whoever pitches well, and, the best. And Zach Gallen last year had that run of consecutive starts giving up three or less earned runs or whatever it was. Yeah. I wonder how many actual wins he got in that. Probably not very many if it's only six I just I, since he's been here. I think of a basketball team, and I think what the expectations would be if that basketball team lost all five of their starters, three of their bench, two of their third-string <laughs> guys. You know what I mean? Like There would be no expectations, and everybody would be going back to those injuries to say, hey, look, obviously – this team should probably just wrap it up. I mean, I I almost feel like that's the expectations now at this point. Like, lose and lose hard, get that number one draft pick, and don't do anything that's detrimental to the future of we your team. We just had the number one pick, like, yeah. six, seven years ago. And that, Traded it and, to the Braves. Uh, yeah, that well, was a brilliant move. I'll say that, at the very least, Pavin Smith, who was a high draft pick, has been mm. outstanding for this team. He's been He's great. He's been one of the bright spots, absolutely offensively. 
to the point, you know, I know we talked about this, but when you have veterans saying they're watching your at bats to see if there's anything that they can pick up from you, that's <laughs> impressive, especially with. But also someone. not good. Well, <laughs> we I'm, would like to have veterans who do well also. I will say this: I ta- I told this to a writer in the press box. Whenever Paven Smith argues with the umpire about mm-hmm. a ball being out of the strike zone. He's right. He's yeah. probably right. A hundred percent of the time, <laughs> he's he got a better right. eye than you do, buddy. He really does. And yeah. I mean, he's polite about it. He's still not, you know. Excuse me. Sir. He doesn't get I don't angry. think that yeah. ball was yeah, that's in very the much, strike zone. It's very much what it looks like. The conversation. What will you is, be doing after the game yeah. today? I would like to have a further discussion yeah. <laughs> with you. We'll, we'll review some tape. We'll go back and check out the tape. Come on over to my apartment. Yeah, we'll see if we can I'll work this out. Pizza. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we'll have a good time. Um, but yeah, I think that you know you can't expect anything out of this team. It just, I don't, I don't know what to even think about the losing. Like at least the losing is historic. At least the losing. <laughs> at least we broke them. At, at least they're we're so bad doing that. stuff, right? I mean, the expectations for this team and this franchise going forward because of the season are going to be so low that it's going to be easy for there to not be very much pressure on the 2022 team to yeah. perform well. They, I mean, You always hear in sports, you'd rather be really, really good or really, really bad. You don't want to be in the middle. I say that right. especially about uh, that as a writer. I think that more people are interested in this team right now because of how bad they are than if they were mediocre. They were just hovering which, around 500 right. the it, whole season. It really, at the end of the season, doesn't matter if your team misses the playoffs, they miss the playoffs. Right. It's kind of like where I don't feel like they should make all of these big, you know, moves for trades when they're really at like a wild card level and not really going to pass that like yeah you could win your wild card game and maybe you get to the three you know three game series uh, against the Dodgers that they sweep you or whatever whoever's the number one you know team but it it doesn't seem worth it when you know your team is mediocre mediocrity for this team in fact has been a danger because that's kept them from making bigger trades and doing be- bigger things that, that would have moved this team forward more by you're now. right it feels like when this team is like oh we're we're just a little over 500 we finish in third place we can still compete and then they go spend the money on the wrong guy or or they make a trade to get you know after JD Mar- after 2017 they didn't re-sign JD Martinez they made the playoffs obviously that year but instead of saying okay let's pay JD Martinez they decided not to do that and they went and traded for Steven Sousa Jr who didn't work out I'll bet they regret letting Taiwan Walker go Oh my god He had 10 strikeouts the other day by the way in a game 10 strikeouts. He looks like the he's player throwing, that he was supposed to be when he was He's throwing 90, 95 mile an hour two seamers. If you were, yeah. you guys follow Pitching Ninja on Twitter? Yes. He was all over his page the yeah. other day in the last start painting with these ridiculous fastballs. That was the 10 and I'm like, game. I'm like, they non-tendered, they non-tendered you. But they chose to keep Jake Lamb! It's not even that they that traded him. same year! It's not even that they traded him. <laughs> Bear's ah. choking his microphone. Ah. Uh, We're going to need to get him a new mic cover. <laughs> Steve's just speechless now yeah, because yeah. he brought up Jake Lamb. My, I didn't bring no, up Jake Lamb. No, he, he did. Okay, yeah. I, know, like I was like, don't put yeah, that on me. Yeah. <laughs> but but just You know going, how I get. But going forward, this team, just looking at where they are now, they're obviously, I mean, I, get, I, I hate to say obviously because sometimes they do things that are not obvious. They should be in a rebuilding mode next year and, and a few years after That's that. That's going to happen, right? Yeah, it has to. So my question is, is Tori Lovello the right manager to guide this team through a rebuild? Boy, isn't that the question. I heard them talking about that on the Bickley and Murata show today when I was driving into the studio. And it was a good question. I'm like, wow, that, that's a, I never thought of it that way. Is Tori Lovello the right 
manager, the right voice, the right leader in that clubhouse if this team decides to to go all in on a rebuild. Now that's Does the big he question. want that? That's the big question. I think the other thing, too, is uh, what about the Arizona Diamondbacks that once guys leave, they proceed to excel the way mm-hmm. that Taiwan Walker has, the way that so many guys have left here, and all of a sudden... Max Scherzer, you, Trevor Bauer. Well, you could say those guys all the time. Those are from those a are, long time ago. Yeah, I don't those, care. Those are special. Carlos Gonzalez. <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you. I'll give you one better. Jake Lamb. Oh no! no wait, Jake no. Lamb. Wait, no. no. When Jake Lamb what? was let go from this team last season, yeah, he was hitting one sixteen. Uh huh. He went to the Oakland A's. I remember. Made, made yeah. the playoffs, and he hit two sixty seven. Yeah. Currently with the White Sox, hitting two twenty nine, which he hasn't. Since his All Star season in 2017, I'm not gonna get try to get too upset over this though because 229 I, is still really it's bad. It's still not great, but my point being is it's better than 116. When yeah. you look at the performance of Double some of these guys, you have to kind of wonder what happened. It can't. Robbie just Ray be is the, pitching pretty well for the for the Blue Jays right this an, year. That's another guy. You can't. Ugh. I'm just saying he's not been great. Like so he's not. A, he hasn't been Taiwan Walker, but he's been better. So here's a question then: Is it a coaching staff Robbie, issue? Robbie Ray has his best ERA. Since, since 2018. 18. Yeah, yeah okay. he's got a three point. Actually, yeah, since 2017. <laughs> his all star season. His best year. He's got a 3.45 ERA. He's four and two in 70 innings pitch. So does Tory, maybe Tory could be the right guy to manage the team, but is Tory putting together a bad staff? And that falls partly on the front office as well. They have a hand in that. They clearly felt okay with firing both of their hitting coaches when they're, at the time, they were 15th middle of the league in batting average also in runs scored so they weren't the worst but the pitching staff has been terrible they're dead last in almost everything so i don't know of anyone on this staff that i like other than maybe tory i feel like the pitching has always kind of been an issue for since tory lavello and mike hazen have taken over and i felt like they 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 employed um uh mike butcher for a little too long their pitching coach back then and now matt herges this is his only his second season here i think he started last year so i guess a season and a half after this is this season is over i don't know they they seem to just give the coaches a chance like darnell coles this was his second year i believe as the hitting coach eric hinsky is assistant hitting coach i believe that was his, this was his second season as well so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think Tory's a good manager, but he's obviously been given not a lot of tools to use. I got another guy for you. Jeez, oh, Wade Miley, uh, two two point eight eight ERA, uh, six and four record, and twelve uh, starts. Uh, uh, he's allowed this uh, season five home runs in Cincinnati. Five home runs, which is a hitter's park in twelve starts. Wow. Mm. He has a no-hitter this year. I don't know <laughs> what to say about this. I really don't. I think that it's kind of overwhelming sometimes. Taiwan Walker, mm, I he, don't even don't he's allowed me. three home runs this season. Three! Can you imagine any starting pitcher on the Diamondbacks that has more than three starts? How's Archie doing? Three Not home good. Runs. Not good? Yeah, he has no, an ERA over four. All right, at least we got that one right. Uh, Ty- <laughs> Ty- Taiwan Walker's ERA is 2.12, by yeah. the way. Yeah. 2.12. Starling Marte was good yeah. when he was here, and he's still good. Yeah. 
Jazz Chisholm. I mean, he was a prospect, but he's playing well for the Marlins yeah, too. He, he had a bit of an outbreak but, earlier, oh in my the, God. earlier in the season. Who else you got? You, over know, there? you know what Taiwan Walker's ERA was last season? What One, was it? One point three seven with the Blue Jays. Right? Yeah, in Ugh. six starts. Holy crap! One point three seven. What was it with the D backs the year before that? Uh, the year before that, he he barely played. But... Three three point four six ERA in twenty eighteen. Yeah. He has a zero ERA in 2019. Whole, he only had one start. The yeah. whole thing about Taiwan Walker that just, I was shocked when they non tendered him was they traded two good pieces to get him and Cattell. And it turned out, I guess, Cattell was the star of that trade. Walker but, was supposed but to Walker be. Walker was supposed to be. They traded Gene Segura and Mitch Haniger for Taiwan Walker and Cattell Marte. Yeah. And they just, I felt like they just, like, all right. We've seen enough of you. They, Bye. They never let Walker really get off the ground. And honestly, I mean, he, I feel like they he were, went nine and nine in twenty eight starts, but he had a three point four nine ERA in twenty seventeen, three point four six in twenty eighteen, and didn't give up a run in that one inning that he pitched in twenty nineteen. Tell me if you agree with this. Does it feel like they were kind of just done with him when they threw him in that game at Dodger Stadium and he gave up a lot of runs? Maybe. And I feel like that was not his fault. They went. They went with. They went with the matchup, or some. I think it was the statistic that he pitches well in that stadium, and that was the year <laughs> they didn't let Patrick Corbin pitch in any of the playoff games. And they, and I believe Tory came out that year and said that was a mistake. But can I, can I tell you what I think is going to happen? What? What do you? Think? Because I mean, other than they're going to continue to lose a lot of games, that's well, pretty obvious at this point. I think Tory Lavello will and should resign. You don't see it in sports. You don't see coaches resign very often. But here's here's why I've come to this conclusion. Mike Hazen is not in the building currently. He's at home with his wife where he belongs while she struggles with with her illness and disease, cancer and all that stuff. He's taking care of the kids. Totally get it. He's still running the organization from home. He's just not in the building. Correct. Hazen is a huge advocate of Tory Lovello. I believe the front office loves Tory Lovello still. I think they want him to be the guy. Tory like, Lovello is an impossible person to dislike, I feel like. Right. I really do. So I believe they want him there. But there will continue, if this losing continues, which I believe it will, there will be incredible pressure on the organization and on Ken Kendrick to pull the trigger and to fire Tory. We talked last week, Cody and I had to do an emergency podcast because they fired the inning coaches after we did the podcast originally, and we talked about how that was an easy scapegoat, but Derek, you pointed out earlier, they weren't the right guys to fire at that time. Didn't feel like it then. To me, it felt like, okay, we have to fire somebody, and we love Tory, so we're going to can these guys, but now there's no one left to fire Without firing the guy responsible in that story. They could fire the hitting coaches, or uh, the, sorry, the pitching coaches. But then you My, fired what, who everybody. Who was that, Matt Herges and Mike Fetters, their bullpen coach? And they've done terribly. But at this point, if if they still believe Tory's the guy, and a week ago when they fired the hitting coaches, Mike Hazen went up there at the press conference and said, I still believe in Tory. Mm-hmm. He's still the guy. I can't believe that that's changed in a week. I doubt that that's changed in a week. So, what's the only way for these people to get out of this uh, mess that they're in? I believe Tory and Hazen, if it came to it, but I believe Tory is the kind of human being that when he realizes I'm not doing the good job that I can, I might not be the right person for this job. I'm going to step aside. And that and that 
and, and it goes back to what I was saying earlier. You kind of have to have that conversation with Tori, and you have to figure out what direction you want to go in because it's two sides to the story. You have to decide what direction if we're going. They're going to go in a full on rebuild if they're going to trade all David Peralta and Eduardo Escobar and Cattell Marte and all these guys away this year so that they can get some prospects back and whatnot. You have to ask Tori as the front office, hey. Do you do you want to do this? Do you do, do you see yourself as guiding this team through a full-on rebuild? And Tory then has to ask himself, do I want to do this? Do I think I can do this? And then that decision has to be made. I I still am under the belief that he will be the manager for the Diamondbacks throughout the rest of the season and then they will not renew his contract. He is on the final year of his contract this year. It ends after the season is over. So I, I don't think there will be a firing. I don't think he'll resign, but I don't think that he will be back next year. I tend to side with Bear on this issue because of the fact that that's the easier route to go. At this point, what are you going to do? Bring somebody else into this into this disaster and have them try to manage it? No. At the very least, Lavello understands what's going on with his team and, and who he can rely on and things like that. Uh, you know, In the past, we've said that he's a player's manager, right? He tends to do things that's in favor of of the players and maybe that's the wrong move. Maybe that's maybe that's part of his flaws. Maybe the fact that he's always, you know, he he's always trying to look out for guys and make sure that they're they're well rested and healthy. This season obviously did not go that way, you know, but he's still continuing He didn't even have a chance to, to rest guys before they got hurt. Well, like Rojas, like. Rojas was a perfect example. He hit two solo home runs in a game and then he sat him the next game. Right, right. That's one of those decisions that I as a person that watches this game, both as a fan of baseball and as a reporter, the the my two sides kind of come together on mm-hmm. this and high-five each other and go, "That's a bad managerial move." <laughs> I don't really know what else to think because when your team needs sparks offensively it seems odd to sit the guy with the hot hand but they might have been playing a matchup you know maybe it was a lefty that day and you don't want Rojas against the lefty absolutely right except for the fact that he brought Rojas in to pinch hit later in the game and then kept him in the game because he wanted to do everything he could to generate offense at that point because they were too late too late start him too late right right? uh I that's why I've been begging for continuity all season and I get the importance of positional flexibility and the fact that you know they might change a matchup in mid-game or whatever. Correct. I get that. And I think in a lot of ways, Torrey's done really well with the lineup he's had. I, I think what Mike Farron said still rings true. I think this has been an absolute gem of a managerial job, even though they're not winning. He's doing everything they can. Again, when you talk about them firing their hitting coaches, they're ranked 17th offensively in runs per game. They're, right. they're averaging 4.26 runs per game. They're not having a problem generating runs. They're having a problem keeping them off the board. Yeah. One of the things that I would also question Lavello about is his refusal to pull guys that he puts in in a relief role, even mid-game, before everything goes south. I don't understand it because I play MLB The Show, and I'm an idiot, <laughs> and even I know that I need to start getting my guy up in the pen after this relief pitcher has thrown at, at eight, six to eight batters, right? Yeah. There's just things about that, rules you follow, things you do. You try to be ahead of it. <laughs> I have witnessed Lavolo a number of times put guys in that are relief pitchers that, whether they're a starter or they come in for a starter, pitch those two to three innings and just pitch absolutely great for that one rotation through the lineup. But then they're exposed, and next thing you notice, the team puts up 
two to five runs in the next inning off of that guy because now they've all had a chance to talk about it and see him once. Yeah, we've seen him. There's no more mystery to We got him. Dialed in. There's no reason to not be ahead of that when you yourself know your own team and your own players. What you've seen happen. I know I've seen it happen. It's been like Groundhog's Day for me with, you know, but the same thing happening. I can't tell you how many times I've refused, refused to even start my article going in in any narrative, win or loss, when it seemed like the game was in the bag for the Diamondbacks. And I ended up being right, and they ended up losing the Mm. game, and I was glad. It's hard for me as a writer sometimes to try to, like, get my article started without there being a, a narrative that I'm telling leaning one way or another. It either sounds like I'm making the Diamondbacks sound good, or I'm kind of telling you the reason why they didn't win the game. Well, and the bullpen is bad. The bullpen has. It's been not bad. all Tory's usage of the bullpen. It's also the fact that there's no one in the bullpen well, I would trust. And that's and that's the other side of the story too. Yeah, we can talk about Tory making bad decisions, which he has done since he's been here. I had many problems with decisions he's made, but it feels like this year. And I'm not. I don't know the mindset of the front office. Obviously, they acted like they had no money to spend, and you know, COVID probably did it its number on them this past year but they it feels like they said tori okay tori build me a house but you don't get a hammer or nails or wood or anything it's gonna be a but crappy house go out there yeah. go out there and try <laughs> just just give it your give it do it your best right and it just that's what it seems like i mean when your biggest nothing against him but when your biggest off-season acquisition is this dribble cabrera i mean a 36-year-old utility infielder. I mean, your biggest addition to the bullpen was Joaquin Soria, who is also in his mid-30s, who is pitching okay. But then, And then Tyler Clippard, who has never been on the injured list in his entire career and hasn't pitched a game for you this year because he's injured. It's just and that was it. That, that that was honestly that was all they did. That's all they went out and did this offseason. Right. And we talked about that. We talked about That's that. That's not on Tory. That we talked about the fiscal conservative nature of it and other teams too. The Cubs. There's other teams that were good, you know, over the last couple of years, but they the kind Cubs of, are good now. Here's the thing, and the Cubs are one of those teams that, regardless of the, but they had superstar talent uh, before. Well, regardless of the pandemic situation, once things went back to normal, the Cubs were going to be an instant draw again because they're the Cubs and it's Wrigley Field. The Arizona Diamondbacks. It's kind of understandable that they had that conservative approach because they didn't know how things were going to go here in Arizona, and they didn't know how things were going to go with the fans once things come back. They know their attendance records already when it was a normal season, but they didn't know how long it was going to take to start getting people back in the building and such. I understand that approach. That's the reason why when they're this bad, it's really hard to be surprised about it, even for the team. I'm sure that they're like, wow, I didn't think that they would be this bad. Right. You know, but your team ranks dead last in ERA and MLB with a 5.37 ERA. That's the team average. Ugh. Which means there's a lot of people that are worse. Right. And I mean, you're talking about uh, only three teams, the Twins, Orioles, and Diamondbacks, that have an ERA over five as a team. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you want to know where, where it starts? It starts with pitching. That's Pitching has been putting them behind. Pitching has been losing games. Personnel and coaching. Yeah. Because <sighs> we just talked about a bunch of pitchers that have been here in the last couple of seasons, and they're all gone, and you got nothing in return for them. Last season... Archie Bradley had a 1.17 ERA once he went to Cincinnati for <laughs> those 7.2 innings. But how how often does games. that happen? I mean, even going back before the Hayes and Lavello regime, 
Edwin Jackson was not that good here. He goes to the White Sox, and I I specifically remember him making a comment or a coach there making a comment. Yeah, we just changed this one thing on him. Yeah, on his motion. He figured Why it out. Could, wh- yeah. What's going on here? Well, remember with Bumgarner, there was something about Bumgarner that they never really yeah talked about. But yeah, something that he changed. The next thing you know, he was he was pitching well. He lowered his ERA like by. You know, three hole earned runs and was pitching yeah. well over his next six starts. It's ju- it just know. seems to always be something with whatever coaching staff it is here. And think about this too: they haven't developed a single pitcher that has stayed on their team that has been a long. the The one I can remember that was any good that they developed from their farm system up to the major leagues was Brandon Webb. That's it. Since then, Patrick. Corbin, I guess. Well, but they traded for Corbin. They traded for they didn't Corbin. They draft him. But they did bring him up. He was still a yeah. prospect. But even even Patrick Corbin had just, what, maybe one or two good seasons here? Yeah. Robbie Ray had one good one season. Good yeah. Um, I mean, Granke, they signed. He was obviously established. Baumgartner yeah. was established. Right. Uh, Dan Heron was established when he came here. That's a while ago. Yeah, I'm, ju- I'm going back. I'm going back. I don't care. Randy Johnson was established when he came here. Kurt Schilling was, too. Chase Anderson <laughs> wasn't special. Still isn't. Tyler Skaggs wasn't good when he was here, and then they traded him traded him back to the Angels. Yeah. They got him from the However Angels. I can't, remember out, how, yeah. I can't remember how it was. But I mean, there's definitely a coaching like there, issue. There's a pitching problem in this organization throughout its history, and they, with the failure to develop, to draft, sign, whatever, what have you, and develop young arms to be a mainstay on your team for for years and years and years, there hasn't been that guy. Well, and that's leading them to overcompensate with big contracts. And they've and it's also and it's also gone the opposite way, where they've given up on guys too fast. Trevor Bauer, Max Scherzer. Taiwan Walker, it looks like now. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it's it's crazy to me. And there's a good chance that if they get the number one draft pick in the 2022 MLB draft, that they won't be drafting a pitcher then either. They right. Most likely. Elijah be, Green. Elijah Green from Florida Prep. Oh, is that what? He's an outfielder. Okay. He's, he's getting Mike Trout comparisons mm-hmm. in high school. Oh. Mm-hmm. I'll and take him. One of my friends brought up to me, I told him that the other night, he's like, yeah, but. When Mike Trout came out, no one knew who Mike Trout was. But yeah, Mike Trout didn't thing. go number one overall. Right, he went twenty third overall. <laughs> yeah. By the so. way, leaders, Al Leiter's kid, Jack Jack Leiter, Jack Leiter. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's in this year's draft. People, so stop tweeting me about how the Diamondbacks might draft him. It's oh no, not going to. Uh, here's another thing. Someone, like, that's what I keep hearing from people. I'm like, you got I your years mixed time. up because we're going to get the first what, round pick this year. <laughs> no one knows. <laughs> no, what the no we're not. No one knows how the MLB draft works. Someone sent me an article. Um, and I have to find it real quick, but it was an MLB Pipeline article. Um, it was basically a mock draft, and I can't find it. Uh, but it basically had um, it had Jack Leiter going like fourth or fifth, so before the D-backs. But then it had the D-backs passing on his teammate, Kumar Rocker. That guy's good, too. They had him passing on it for a, for a catcher. He's raw, but for he's, catcher. A, he's a big for, for catcher. Big guy who throws hard. Now, I, I know I, I keep saying catcher, and these guys probably, a lot of them don't even stay catchers. Bryce Harper was drafted as a catcher. So was Kyle Schwarber. Kyle Schwarber. So, yeah, but those, game. it's, it's it, Peter O'Brien was a catcher. So, you know <laughs> what I mean? But <laughs> best friend Peter. <laughs> gave up on him too soon. Yeah, we Oh, did. my goodness. No, he was no, he's no, terrible. He's not good at, good um, baseball. But no. if they pass on one of those Vanderbilt pitchers, what are we doing? I, what I are we doing know. here? I don't know. Um, it kind of went local viral 
on Twitter the other day was the new jerseys that the Diamondbacks brought oh, yes. out there, the Los Serpientes. Los Serpientes. Um, I know you guys have differing thoughts is it on bad? this. <laughs> is it bad when I read that? I'm like, serpentines? No. Serpent, serpentine? Yes, it is. It's very white of you. I know. I'm, yeah. Look at me. So like, <laughs> look at his pale skin. <laughs> yes, that is bad of you. Um, I'm like, oh! Well, <laughs> oh, I get it now. Oh, well, my first oh. thought when I, I read... Don't, I don't speak Spanish. My first I thought, took so many classes of Spanish in high school and college. Can't speak a word of Spanish. <laughs> well, when it's I read it, it, I mean, it looks cool, like the font and everything. Yeah, I love the S, the snake S on it's it. Great. But it's when really I read cool. it, I thought to myself, Snakes. Yep. And I was like, that, okay. The, That's the not, snakes. I mean, like, even in the picture, they're holding a snake. It's not, mm. it's not a diamondback. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, you're going to say Los D-backs. Uh, they've, which they've done. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I know. It's, yeah. it's one of those things that there's no translation. I don't love, everybody, I, I hear everybody say that they love the beige, like the sand tan yeah. kind of. Yeah. I don't like it. I think, here's why. It's boring. You, you, beige is boring. You think it's boring. He thinks it's boring. I'm going to give my opinion as to why I think it's not. Okay. I think the Diamondbacks have never had a very classic design. Simple baseball Old school. They've always been flashy. They've always been flashy. Their first uniforms are purple and teal. For better or I mean, worse, flashy. With, with a lot of color. You know, Sedona red. The right. snake the, skin stupid things on their pants. The diamonds, and the, yeah. yeah, the gradients. Yeah. You also had the, you know, hats, the, the combination stupid. of the teal and, and Sedona red that a lot of people didn't like at first, but ended up being a really sharp combination. And I like that they kept it around. I like I will a lot say, of the logos this season. I will say I like their uniforms now that they debuted last year and yeah. they have now. Yeah, they, took, they took the little... Off. diamond skin away on everything their 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 uh default hat is the black they don't use the red hat yeah. with the with the with the diamondback d on it anymore i never like that hat um i like the the red snake with the ball in its yeah. mouth I, yeah. I like their uniforms now yeah i just thought i'm like oh because i've seen i loved the miami marlins city connect jerseys i love the white Sox ones didn't like the cubs ones didn't like the red Sox ones and I'm like, okay, I'm wondering what the Diamondbacks are going to do. I wonder if they are going to incorporate more of the old purple and teal into something, you know, whatever. And then the entire uniform is beige. Well, the and pants aren't. They're not? They're white, right? I they're white. They're, yeah, I think they're going to go with white either the white or the gray. Okay. So the whole shirt part yeah. of the jersey is beige. And I like the hat, actually, that black bill with, with, the, with the sand on it. I uh-huh. actually like the hat. Yeah. But I'm just like, that's it? Like okay, snakes, get, snakes, well, yeah, snakes. Beige. One thing they should add to all their jerseys permanently is the Arizona flag. I think we have a cool flag I in Arizona. Yeah, I, I think they should add that to all their jerseys. To be honest with that you, that would be cool. Yeah. Um, but also, let's think about it this way too. For people like me and Steve who think it's kind of boring, we kind of got spoiled early on with the Suns, the Valley jerseys, which yeah, those are, are awesome. amazing. Yeah, those are and we're I I kind of probably made the mistake of hoping the D backs would do not exactly the same thing, but. Like something valley related, or oh, I wanted maybe them to just just do the a baseball version of the valley. <laughs> I wanted them to go to the Phoenix Suns and say, "Hey, we would love to partner with you and just call ourselves the Valley." Also, right, and the Suns. If that were to happen in my crazy scenario that I'm proposing, the Suns should definitely say no. And we've definitely <laughs> been, it's our thing. We're doing definitely it. been exposed to the Suns Valley jerseys a lot more recently because they've yeah. worn them on every home game. 
Yeah, and they're in, in the, the playoffs. playoffs. And, Every home yeah. game in the playoffs, they've worn the Valley jersey. So maybe totally. maybe I made that mistake and was like, oh, the D-backs are going to do something like, like the Suns did and blow us away. Well, and then I was kind of disappointed. Well, I, uh, first of all, okay. It's your opinion, though, yes, that it's like that. And yeah. to be honest, like I said, the Diamondbacks have a lot of flashy stuff where the, the Suns really wasn't. The Suns jerseys have been bad for a number of years. When I thought they finally introduced like the kind of more basic Suns and Phoenix that was a combination of new and old, I thought that was a better jersey. I really like the purple ones that they currently wear. The road purple ones the are road my purple. favorite ones, yeah. I think, besides just, the Valley ones. Just super yeah. sharp, yeah, but you're 100% right. The thing about the Valley was... The Valley jerseys, the Valley atmosphere, everything that's obviously gone along with it is exciting. But this has been the first time when we had cool stuff. Every time, <laughs> every time any of our teams gets a specific jersey for one of these kind of the, the, the color games that they did for the NFL. The, the color rush. Color oh, rush yeah, games. Yeah. And just everything. Didn't I mean, like the Cardinals ones. Yeah, of course. It's All like black, I think. Just black. black. Yeah. I mean, again, it was really plain. It's right. one of those things where you don't see them make that big move. I know that the Miami's jerseys year after year deliver when it comes to these kind of situations. Uh, I love the Miami Vice look. Yes, that the they Miami did Heat few, ones. Yeah. yeah. The, right? Those are great. Uh, I think, though, for the Diamondbacks, there's a traditional Hispanic Southwest look to these jerseys. The, these jerseys actually look like a lot of like teams in Mexico kind of have. I think that's where some of the roots for it are. I think that it's trying to do the opposite of what the team does. So unfortunately, the team's normal jerseys are all flashy and that's stuff. That's what I was going to say. They like to give an alternative to that. Where they already have an all-black jersey that they wear. They already have an all-red and a white, and yeah. you know, all there that weren't stuff. a lot of other directions. There, yeah, to go, yeah, yeah. Unless they really wanted to go back in time and just do a purple one, like like they did before. Straight but yeah. but they've done that before, yeah. so they needed yeah. to. Just, okay, I get that. I see that point. I see that point. Somebody said to me the other day, "Well, you I know, don't dislike the jerseys, by the way. I just was kind of disappointed. Yeah, like like they have a little valley thing in the bottom, like a little V with a sun in it, and it's supposed to be for Valley of the Sun. Yeah, it's cool. It should be maybe a bigger logo. Maybe use that on the. And other I didn't sleeve. know what it meant, and I had to have it explained to me. Sure. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, right. Once you have to explain it to me, I don't know. It's not that right. Right. It's not. That I had to interpret obvious. what it is. Somebody right. tried to explain it to me the other day. They said, uh, you know, it's beige because it's like sand, like the desert. And I was like, yeah, I'm aware. I've been to the desert. <laughs> it's it. boring. Yeah. Well, have you ever been out in the desert? Well, that's also one of their colors they use. Like this hat I'm wearing, the outline of yep. the A is Sonoran yeah. sand. That's yep. what they call yeah, it. Yeah, I get it. So I understood it. Thought it was boring. But I get it. Well, I mean, I bet we. Repre- date- I bet we represent the actual feeling of this jersey. I bet it's a one third to two thirds <laughs> kind of feeling maybe. on how much they like they, it. They, I don't know. I saw a lot of positive reaction, I, and I think that's. I the feel thing. like maybe Cody and I are actually in the in minority. The minority. Yeah, we might I don't be. know. Well, the jersey itself, I think, especially when you see it. Uh, in, in person, person yeah, and on you, yeah, it's it's nice. I I'm, mean, well. The font is super cool. The font is cool. I wish they should keep that S Snake logo on other things as well. Here's what I will say. Yes. I'm going to defend it in one other way. Okay. All the other Valley stuff is kind of trash. <gasps> and I say this because a lot of companies making shirts with the Valley logo still can't figure out how to incorporate that gradient of the oh, Camelback yeah, yeah, Mountain yeah. into it yeah, yeah, without yeah. it looking just all weird and cut off on the ends on shirts. Uh-huh. A couple couple companies have nailed it. Like State 48 has one where they used it as like the border for the state of Arizona, the drawing, but mm-hmm. same gradient pattern looks great. Uh, Sportique has a shirt that they did it in there. But most of the Valley stuff, 
I don't really like. With that being said, <laughs> because they overcomplicate it in some way, the ones that it just says the valley in white on a shirt, yeah. sharp looking or gray yeah. or whatever. Uh, but the Los Serpientes stuff, I thought all looked great on shirts and stuff. It was like one of those logos. Again, that simplicity allowed them to play with it a lot, but it's it's the, the kind of stuff I would rather wear. Something that you don't like, look at it, might not even know what this shirt is in I, regards to. I will say know. the hoodie that Tori Lovello is wearing in the video is Sharp. really cool. Yeah, it's really good I looking. just didn't like the jersey. Yeah, they. By the way, they debut that jersey tonight against the Dodgers. That's they're, right. hold, they're holding a snake that's not a Diamondback. If they were real <laughs> Diamondbacks, hold a real Diamondback, you, you wussies. You can't. They're venomous. It's a boa constrictor. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Well, it doesn't say Diamondbacks on their yeah, jerseys. Yeah, it says snakes. Snakes. Yeah. Snakes. So they really All kinds it. of snakes. Qualifies. They have little garden snakes. I'll check it out. I'll go to the team shop. I'm going to the game tomorrow, actually, right. with a couple friends. I'll check it out. I will see you there, because I will be there oh. all weekend long. Derek will be buying jerseys. I'm Let's asking them to, for the people. to sleep there. You'll find him in the gift shop. <laughs> Remember, um, folks, simplicity is sexy. Let's keep an eye this week on... Is that I what mean, you tell <laughs> If we're coming back a week later and this team has still not won a game... Can we just replay uh, this podcast? No, we'll just wrap it up. We'll just end this <laughs> we'll podcast. Hey, they here. lost more games. See you. We'll just <laughs> See you guys. Hey. Uh, we'll keep an eye on it as always. I'm Steve Zinsweiser. That's Derek Bautia and Cody Fincher as well. Here on the Ain't No Fang podcast at ArizonaSports.com and on the Arizona Sports app.